Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. One of the biggest struggles that you and I will have and you maybe are already going through a struggle like this or have gone through struggles, one of the biggest struggles that you and I will have as a believer is really trusting in the Word of God, is really trusting in the Word as He reveals it to you, the promises, the, the words of encouragement, the things that He shows you from your prayer time and the things that He shows you as you read His Word. And one of the biggest struggles that you and I have and will have is really trusting in the reality that he's going to bring it about. Is he going to fulfill his promises? That's, that's a big struggle for us. And it's especially a struggle when there seems to be obstacles that appear. It seems to be a struggle when there's hindrances. And, and everything that we thought was going to happen doesn't happen. In fact, the opposite happens. And you begin to shake your head. You begin to wonder, is, God, are you, are you going to really do this? Can I really trust you on this one? And those are real things, aren't they? In fact, let me explain something to you. If they're, if they're not real to you now, I think they're going to be real. Because all you got to do is just look around us. Look around at our community and look around at our nation and the struggles that our nation is going through economically. And there are promises in the Bible that you know God's going to provide. He'll take care of us, meet our needs. And you, you wonder, Lord, are you really going to be able to do this? Can I trust you? And those are real issues that we struggle with. And they're not unknown. You're not the first one to go through them. You're not alone in the first place. Let me, first of all, how many of you struggle with that kind of stuff? Just kind of raise your hand. All right, look around, everybody. Why am I having you look around? Because the enemy will come to you and say to you, you're the only one struggling. But the reality is we all struggle, don't we? We struggle with doubts. We struggle with, can I trust you, Lord? We've been going through the first chapter of Luke. And really it's centered around this time of year. It's centered around the birth of Jesus Christ and prophecies and fulfillment of prophecies. And we've been introduced to different folks. We've been introduced to Elizabeth and Zacharias and, and the whole prophecy concerning John coming and the promise of John. And we're going to look at that prophecy fulfilled today. And then Mary and the prophecy of Jesus coming. And we'll look at that next week. But we're going to see in the midst of all of this, that when God works, it's more than just a coincidence. It's God. And you can trust Him. You can bank on what He says. You can take it to heart that when He says to you that I'm going to do this, He's going to do it. doesn't matter what the obstacles are. doesn't matter what the hindrances are. He's going to do it. And the response from us needs to be praise. It needs to be thank you. It needs to be worshipped because you're our God, Lord, and you're so awesome, you're so powerful, you're beyond us. And we're going to see that today in this passage as we look at the promise fulfilled, especially in the life of two folks who had given up and God gave them a baby, and that's Zacharias and Elizabeth. So I want you to notice with me, look at with me at verse 57. Now Elizabeth full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her, 
So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all of those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. First thing I want you to notice is is that as we look at the issue of the promise fulfilled, we're going to see that God overcomes the normal. We're going to see that God, when he works, doesn't go, he doesn't work in accordance to what we think should happen. He doesn't flow with what the normal course of life is. He overcomes the normal. In fact, just the very fact that Elizabeth had a baby is beyond normal because she was beyond childbearing years. She was advanced in age, and so was Zacharias. And so the fact that she's pregnant isn't normal. And I'm going to explain something to you. God doesn't work in the normal. When he works, he does things beyond the normal. Why? Because he's God. He can do anything. So I want you to see several things here as he overcomes the normal. First thing I want you to notice is from this passage is that life exists. Life exists within societal norms. Life exists within societal norms. And so was their life. So here they are, they're having a baby. And here was the normal routine. If you were a Jewish family living in Palestine at that time, in northern Galilee, here's what would happen. You had a baby, a baby boy. They would wait until the eighth day to circumcise that child. And it wasn't until the eighth day that you would name that child. So think about that. you got a baby for eight days. You don't have a name for him. And what would happen is, is the circumcision would be a big family gathering. So here's what they would do. All the family would come and all the neighbors would gather at your house for this celebration to see this baby circumcised. And then they would name that child. Now here's what they would do. Here's how they would name it. By this time, they had developed a routine that in their families, what they would do is, is that they would name the child probably after the most prominent person in the family. They would either name the child after a grandfather or they would name the child after a father. So guess what? The family and neighbors are saying, this child needs to be called what? Zacharias. See, life exists within norms, doesn't it? Even here, right in our community, we have norms of what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. We think in terms of when God works, God's got to work within our norms, our normal. And you have it within your home. How many of you have family traditions for Christmas? Certain things you do. You have certain meals. In my home, it's a certain cheese ball that has to be made this time of year. That's it. Everything else doesn't matter. We've got to have a cheese ball. Sometime during the Christmas season, I get my cheese ball. For some of you, it's listening to certain music, breaking out certain records or tapes, or maybe even eight tracks for some of you, to listen, and you've got your traditions, and you you exist within that norm, or you've got a certain meal. 
When I grew up, it was a norm in my house because I grew up in a military family that my dad would always bring home somebody on the base who couldn't go home for Christmas. So there was always a soldier or soldiers at my, my table when I had grown up. And that was a tradition, that my home table was always opened up. Some of you have those we exist in Norm. And they're not wrong, are they? They're not wrong. But here's the problem, though. This is the next thing I want you to see is, is that the normal can become an obstacle. The normal can become an obstacle. Because I notice what here, they're saying that the child needs to be called Zacharias. But look at verse 60. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called what? John. And what did the angel just tell them? The angel told Zacharias, this baby will come, and the baby is to be called what? John. But notice verse 61, but they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who's called by that name. You're breaking the norm. You're breaking a tradition. Why would you call that boy John? There's no John in outside of the family. And so the normal becomes an obstacle. And here's what I want you to see now, guys. Oftentimes, listen, I want you to listen to me. God wants to work in our lives. God wants to do powerful things in our lives. But the problem is, is we don't allow Him because it doesn't go with the normal in our lives. Oh, God, you can't work that way. It's got to be within the normal. And that's the problem. The normal in our lives can become an obstacle to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's becoming an obstacle here because this boy is a special boy. He's the forerunner of Jesus. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And the angel said he's to be called what? John. But the family says, wait a minute, now we don't have a John here. Why are you calling? In fact, here's what they do. They go over to Zacharias who can't speak and they make motions to him. Now you're saying, why are they making motions to him? He can't speak. Well, you have to understand, in the ancient culture, they equated deafness and muteness together. So if somebody was mute, they just assumed that they were deaf as well. So they're making signs to him. What do you want to call this boy? So they're presenting an obstacle. My friends, when God... Listen, you understand something. When God tells you to do something, a lot of times he'll tell you to do things that go against the norm. They go against the norm of what your family thinks. They go against the norm of what the culture thinks. And the norm can be an obstacle to what God wants you to do. You need to recognize that. You need to see that. That's what's happening here. The next thing I want you to see here is this. That God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. Here's what he does. They make a motion to Zacharias. What are we going to call this boy? They're assuming he's going to say, Zacharias. Here's what he says. The boy shall be called what? John. As soon as he writes that down, guess what the word says? His tongue was loose. In fact, let me read it to you. This is what it says. Immediately, verse 64, his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke. And guess what came out of his mouth? Praising God. See, God blesses obedience. Because here's, remember... Why was he mute in the first place? Anybody remember? Because he didn't believe God. Because he didn't believe the angel when the angel told him that his wife's going to bring forth a son. He didn't believe it. How's that going to happen? I'm an old dude. And there he is. His wife has a baby. Immediately when he says, he's, you know, the angel said, you'll call his name John. He said, they asked him, what do you want to call him? John. As soon as he writes that down, boom, his mouth opens up. Guess what he's doing? 
praising God. See, God blesses obedience. See, the norm can be an obstacle, but if you and I, listen to me, if you and I continue to do what God's calling us to do, if we continue to be obedient, obedient to Him, in spite of family, in spite of culture, He's going to bless. He always blesses His Word. Why? You listen to me. His Word is a reflection of Him. You understand that? When He says He's going to do something, and it doesn't happen. What does that reflect? It doesn't reflect that maybe you didn't have enough faith. It reflects on him that he didn't say. He's, he's obviously, that one part of his word doesn't mean anything. Well, listen, if one part of his word doesn't mean anything, then maybe another part doesn't mean anything. And if another part doesn't mean anything, how do you know that the promises that he gives you concerning your salvation are real? See, God blesses obedience. But, I, but obedience comes because I... Have faith. What's faith? A trust in, a belief in, a commitment to the revealed Word of God in spite of obstacles, hindrances, and circumstances that seem otherwise. He blesses it. And so he blessed Zacharias. And Zacharias opened his mouth and he praised the Lord. He gave praise to the Lord. Now here's the other thing I want you to see. When you overcome the normal, when you're obedient, in spite of what the culture says... This is the final thing I want you to see here. They make a great point, verse 65 and 66. Look what it says. Then fear came on those who dwelt with around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. The final thing I want you to see there is this, before we move on. As we talk about overcoming the normal, it's a testimony to all. Why does God choose to go against the norm? Why does God more often do things that are contrary to the way things are done? I'm going to tell you right now. Because when he does them, people look at it, they say, man, that's unusual. Who gets the glory? God. See, if God just chose the normal way of doing things, who gets the glory? We do. See, that's why it's more than just a coincidence here. That's why it's more than just a coincidence. You can't deny it when you do what God tells you to do, even in spite of what everybody else says, even in spite of the culture, even in spite of what's normal. When God works beyond the normal, He gets the glory because you say, man, that could only be God. That could only be Him. That's Him. And that's God. He overcomes the normal. He overcomes the normal. He goes beyond. But then I want you to see... I want you to see, because it goes beyond the response of praise, I want you to see how Zechariah responds. And so look with me, verse 67 through 80. Look at how he responds to what God has done. Look with me. Look at what he says here. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. And in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all those who hate us, to perform mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all the days of our lives, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. And you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, 
to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through tender mercy and of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in deserts to the day of his manifestation to Israel. I want you to see several things about the response to praise. The first thing I want you to see is this is what Zacharias is calling us to do. We are called to praise God. We're called to praise Him. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. But just ask yourself this question. Can I ask you, how often do you take time out to thank Him? How often do you take time out, even when times are tough, even when things seem to be going against you, did you just take time out to say, thank you, God, for being there for me? Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, that you're a strong tower that I can run to in the midst of all that I'm going through. Thank you, God. How often do you praise Him? My friends, it's a choice. See, but here's the thing. If you wait for things to be good, I can almost guarantee you when they're good, you're not going to praise Him. Do you understand? Because we're wrapped up in the good times. You say, well, I can't praise Him in the bad times. So we don't, guess what? We don't praise Him, do we? You have to make a conscious decision, a conscious choice, that even in spite of it, God, I'm going to praise you because I got you. And you have me. You've got to make that decision. You've got to make that choice. Here's the response of praise. Because God overcomes the normal, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to give Him the glory that He deserves because He takes care of me. Even in spite of all the hardships. Even in spite of all that I go through. We're called to praise Him. Here's the other thing. Now, what am I called to praise Him about? Here's what Zacharias praises Him about. He, he was praised for His redemption. Look with me, verse 68. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed His people. You praise Him for His redemption. Can, what is redemption? Now some of you coupon clippers know what I mean What redemption is. You're redeeming that whatever to get a sum back. Redemption in the Bible talks about in terms of a slave market. It's in terms of someone going and redeeming a slave, someone who's being sold. That price is paid so that slave could be freed. My friends, he bought us, he redeemed us from the slave market of sin. For what? For our own good. You and I were bought with a price. What's the price? The blood of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion. We're to praise him for the redemption for the sacrifice He made for us so that we can have salvation. Isn't that awesome? Listen, you say, well, George, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. You don't know all the stuff that's happening to me. Bill collectors are calling. I've got problems here. Boss is on my neck. I've got all kinds of difficulties. My health isn't even good. And this morning, my Wheaties were stale. You don't know what's going on. You're right, I don't. But one thing I do know, that if you trusted in Him, You've got Him. See, all else could be gone. But you've got Him. And you can praise Him for that. You can give Him thanks for that. Do you understand what I'm saying? They can't take that away from you. There's no foreclosure on Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? The bill collectors can't affect your credit rating with Him. Praise Him for His redemption. He... We, He is to be praised for His redemption. The other thing I want you to see there, He has provided salvation through through the Messiah. 
Who's the Messiah? Jesus. See, this is what Zacharias is talking about when you look at verses 69 through 75. He's praising, praising God for the redemption, the salvation, the victory that Israel is going to experience through who? The Messiah. My friends, you can praise Him for the victory. Victory over who? The enemy. For the salvation. For the victory over death. Even though you may experience the first death, you won't experience the second death, the spiritual death. You'll live on. You can praise Him for the salvation that comes through who? The Messiah, Jesus. we got to be a praising people. See, we're called to praise Him. We're called... He provided salvation. My goodness, man. If you lost everything... You know, if you ever listen... You know, you ever look at some of the stories behind the hymns, some of our greatest hymns, some of the greatest songs of praise that there are, came from people who were in the midst of their despair, came from people who were blind, think of Fanny Crosby, came from people who were bedridden, who had more against them than you and I do, but they wrote some of the greatest hymns of praise to a God who saved them. See, Zechariah, he had passion. And as soon as his mouth was open, guess who he started praising? He didn't say, woman, I've been waiting to tell you this for six months. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said what? Praise be to God. And then here's the other thing. Here's what he did. Not only did he praise God, he, the response of praise, we are to affirm God's plan. We're to affirm God's plan. Here's what he did. Notice something. Look at me at verse 76, just the beginning. And you, child, who's he talking to? The baby John. And the verses that follow there are an affirmation of what the angel told him John's role is to be, the forerunner of the Messiah. What's John doing here? John's learned, after nine months of being quiet, I better believe in the Word of God. And so what does he do? He affirms God's plan. See, when you and I praise Him, and we give Him praise, and we, we exalt Him for who He is, we are affirming what His plan is, not what my plan is. Just yesterday, somebody gave me a note. He said it didn't make any sense to him, the thought, but boy, it was a great thought. I'll share it with you. And I'll explain it to you, because I've thought about it long and hard since he gave it to me. What is more pleasing to God? That we have our happiness, that we are happy or content where we are, or that we become what God calls us to be? What's more pleasing to Him? It's the latter. See, the latter doesn't necessarily equate to my happiness or contentment. See, what are we pursuing in our lives, folks? Why are we all upset about what the economy is doing? Because we're afraid of how it's going to affect our what? Happiness. Our contentment. And see, God is more pleased with you being obedient to what He calls you to than you worrying about your happiness. And see, when I give praise to God, I can praise Him in the midst of all of the uncomfortable things of life. Why? Because I'm affirming His plan and what He has and not my comfort level. See, we've got it all messed up, don't we? We're worried about our comfort levels. Well, God's worried about our obedience. Let me wrap it up with this. Three things I want you to think about. Number one, as we look at what's happening here with Zacharias and Elizabeth and the overcoming the normal and the praise, as you think about the normal in your life, I want you to think about what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, where he says, verse 2, Be not conformed to the 
to the image of this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The issue is conformity versus transformation. The issue is, is your life marked by conformity? Are you conformed to the normal? Or is your life marked by transformation? God manifesting himself in the midst of your life. You've got to ask yourself that question. Let's be honest, we want normal, don't we? We want normal. But it, it isn't normal, is it? How many of you have had the same week every week? I mean, you think you do, but I'm going to be honest with you, it's not, is it? And God overcomes the normal. And I, you know what? I want a life where God's overcoming the normal every day. I want a life of transformation. I don't want to be conformed. I want a life where He is doing beyond all the time. The question is, is that your life? Is that the kind of life you want? The next thing is this. We're called to obedience. We're called to obedience. That's, listen, God, I hear people all the time, oh, God just wants me to be happy. Happy. What does that mean? Anybody here have a definition of happiness that we'll all agree on? God's not interested in my happiness because He knows I'll be happy later. He's interested in my joy because my joy is found in Him, not my happiness. But ultimately, God is interested in my obedience because He knows that's where my joy comes from. That's where, that is what is sustained in the midst of all the problems. See, you can have joy in the midst of problems. You don't have happiness. In fact, isn't it interesting when you look at because here's the thing, if I only had this, I'll be happy. Have you heard people say that kind of stuff? Wasn't well, it interesting that the suicide rate is the highest among people who have everything? Isn't it interesting? And they got everything! But they don't have happiness. See, they don't have joy. So you can have everything and not be happy. The issue isn't happiness, the issue is obedience. We're called to be obedient. Obedient to who? His Word! As he reveals it, as he shows it to you, as he tells you, this is the way you shall walk in. You say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And he blesses obedience. So we work hard to obedience, be obedient. The final thing I want you to see here is this. And this is the point I want you to see. Become a people of praise. Become a people of praise. Let me just stop for a moment. You say, how do I do that? You make the choice. You make a choice. See, I'm having to learn that. See, I'm right with you. It's hard. It's not easy. It is not easy. As you witness suffering, as you witness what people are going through, as, as you, as, even as I experience the things that I experience in my life, as you experience the hardships of everything and you see people grieving and you're hurting, it's hard to say, I praise you, Lord. But you've got to make the choice. See, that's how Job could do it. Job lost more than any of us here. And what did he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He made a choice. In fact, his wife told him to what? Curse God and die. She just was expressing a normal reaction. She lost her family, her kids, the children she bore. Can't be hard on her. Because you and I would respond the same way. What did Job do? He made a choice. He made a choice to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth. Lord, take it away. You've got to make the choice. Become a people of praise. Then we'll sing with passion. Then our hearts will open up. And out of it will come noise or whatever. But it will be loud. It will be from our heart. For me it will be noise. But it will be from my heart. Become a people of grace.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.